Happy Super Bowl Sunday. How's everybody doing today? Yeah. I know for those of you who are from the Boston area, which is like half of this area, this is such an unfamiliar uh, a day for you. You're not used to that it being Super Bowl Sunday and your team not playing. And so if you need comfort, the prayer room is right over there. You know, God, it says that God's near to the brokenhearted, the Bible says. Uh, for the rest of us, we have, our team has a chance. So, uh, and for those of you who love to do, I love it when, I love when God gets credit for stuff, right? You know what cracks me up though, is when people go on social media and try to make a, a, a basis that my team won because there were Christians on the team. There's Christians on both teams. There's terrible people on both teams. Do you think God really cares? Let's just, can we all just agree that we want to see a really close game and really good commercials and have really good wings tonight? Like really, right? That's what Super Bowl is about. Hey, welcome to Cape Christian. So glad you're here. Um, if you're here for the very first time, um, welcome. We're a church for everyone. It's okay to be who you are here. Uh, if you fill out that Connect card and drop it at the Connect desk, we'll give you a little uh, gift, a Tumblr, just our way of saying thanks for joining us. There's also a coupon for our uh, cafe there as well. And um, again, go light for lunch because the Super Bowl starts at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. Um, I love a good startup story. I don't know about you, but I love startup stories. I love to find out how businesses, families, organizations, churches. I love, I love the journey. I love to hear uh, good startup stories because sometimes I look at somebody's life, I look at their career, I look at their business, and it just seems like they have it all together. But then when I hear where it started, I hear the journey, it makes me feel a little bit better about my highs and lows throughout my journey. So I want to share a couple of startup stories uh, with you uh, today, uh, first was a man named Kevin. This happened just about 15, man, last 15 or 20 years ago. A man named Kevin uh, was really interested in, in this kind of new online social media thing and had a full-time job, but started learning coding just on the side after work. He would come and just mess with stuff. And so he decided that he wanted to kind of start a prototype of a new social application that he was going to call Bourbon. And this was going to help connect people. And so he pitched the vision and he cast the vision. He got investors. He got a half a million dollars. Uh, worth of investments. And so he launched it uh, and he took that half a million dollars and he created just a terrible app. Like it was horrible. Nobody wanted it. it they, they didn't like it. So he went back to the original version of Bourbon and he thought, man, maybe if I can make it into an iPhone app and get it on, you know, the app store, then, then it'll take off. And so he did that. And again, it was too complicated. It was confusing. Nobody wanted it. And rather than quit or fail, he went back to the drawing board and said, man, what if we just simplify this a little bit? What if we peel it back and we just focus on photos and creating memories and retooled it and he launched it again on the app store and within hours of it launching on the app store, it became the number one photo app in the world and you know it to this day as Instagram. What started as a several failures became one of the greatest social media uh, networks there is. Another startup story of a man named Walter. Walter was all about the American family. He was interested in art and animation. And so he got a job at a studio making $50 a month. That wasn't an internship. It was his job. Uh, and so Walter decided that it would be better to work for myself than to work for someone else. So he went and started his own company, which completely tanked within a month. And so he had to go work for somebody else again. Uh, in, in doing so, uh, he wanted to uh, start another company that was called Laughagram, and it com went completely bankrupt. And so he had to go back to work for someone else again, uh, even had to move in with his brother. 
Uh, while he was living with his brother, they decided to make some animation action films and created this character called Oswald. It was the first sense of success that he had. It started to gain some traction, and just as his kind of dream was becoming a reality, someone else stole the rights to this character named Oswald, which was deflating and devastating. And, 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 and Walter had the opportunity to go, man, this just isn't going to work out. But he learned from his past failures. He learned from some of his mistakes. He learned from getting stolen. And he thought, man, I'll just try to create a new character. And two, late, two years later, he came up with the idea of a mouse that he would later call Mickey. This Walter man is, we know now as Walt Disney, who after failures and startups and failures and having rights taken now owns a, a media corporation that now owns Marvel, owns Star Wars, ABC, ESPN, Pixar. They're in the process of purchasing Fox. They have uh, Disneyland, Disney World's all around the world. I could tell you stories about McDonald's. I could tell you stories about Apple. I could tell you stories about nonprofits who are changing the world. And all of these stories to me are so inspiring because there was nothing and then there was something. There was bumps in the road. There were opportunities to give up. There were opportunities to fail, but then they kept moving forward. And what's interesting is as I read these stories and you read the narratives and the biographies and all of those things, almost all of them have a similar thread, actually several similar threads, but you can find something like this in every single one of those stories is when you ask them kind of at the end of the journey, almost every person says this, we never imagined that it would become what it became today. Walt Disney didn't dream of having all of this that we have now. Kevin didn't dream of having the number one. His goal wasn't to have the number one photo social app. He just wanted to do something he was interested in, something he was gifted at, and make the world a better place. Oh, I want to tell you one more startup story that I think is similar, where maybe we imagined we'd never, it would never become what it is today, but this one's a little bit closer to home. This startup story started about 34 years ago. 34 years ago, there were three different couples from different parts of the country. Uh, there was Dennis and Linda Gingrich. There was uh, the Hostetlers, Tony and Ada. And then there was the Troyers from Milford, Nebraska, because we all know that some of the greatest things in the world come out of Nebraska. <laughs> and if you're new here or you don't believe me and you want to know why, I'm so anointed. I mean, it's, I mean you just, that's just... You can take the kid out of Nebraska, but you can't take Nebraska out of the kid. Uh, sorry, I just couldn't resist. But 33 years ago, our church, Cape Christian, was birthed from a God-sized vision to be a church for everyone. In 1986, the idea was to come to this small community of Cape Coral that there were all kinds of projections was going to grow in the future and, and create a church that was uh, contemporary, that was designed so people who didn't know church, didn't know Jesus, could come as they were, not find judgment, but find love and freedom and be exposed to the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. It was a church for the city. It was a church for everyone. And although there's been leadership changes and transitions and highs and lows like every other organization, we have never wavered from that vision one time. And for 33 years, this church has started and, and continued to go with the premise of what Peter captures in 2 Peter chapter 9, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 9. It says that God's will is that none, say none, none, none should perish, but everyone, say everyone, everyone would turn to him. See, God isn't just for a specific group of people. Can I get an amen? 
Not just the rich or the elite or the has-beens or the gonna-bees or the white or the black or the young. God is for everyone. And, and by the way, the, this is written by arguably Jesus' best friend when he walked. Peter was the closest lead disciple Jesus had. He's the one that got close to Jesus. And he says this, after watching Jesus, after knowing God, he says, man, this is what I know about God. His, he's for everyone. His will is that no one should perish and everyone would experience the full life. Now, when I say Jesus... Peter was probably Jesus' best friend. If you know the Bible, you know that John may have something to say about that. But nonetheless. And so this has been what we have been existed for 33 years. And from day one, this church, this movement has resisted the urge to settle for what we have. And we've done anything to play it safe. And so we find ourselves in an interesting place 33 years ago that we, don't, that we never dreamed that Cape Christian would become what it is today. It was just this God-sized dream. And so 33 years ago, we launched with a vision. And, and I found the original documents. Pastor Dennis and Linda have kept almost everything, which is fantastic, who are right here. It's amazing to be able to tell this story with our founders sitting in the, the front row. Incredible, incredible. And there were 11 statements of we value. And what's crazy is when we carved out new value statements when this team was built a couple years ago, they're still the same. We didn't even know this document existed. I want to show you three. 30, 34 years ago, 1986, with the idea of reaching people, here were some statements that were made about this startup church called Cape Christian Fellowship. We value those who are curious and seeking God more, so we attempt to make the Bible and faith understandable and culturally relevant to everyday life. That was one of the things we wanted to do 34 years ago. Another one is we value a variety, so we welcome all people. Say all people. We do. We really welcome all people, regardless of culture regardless of race, regardless of age, religious background, or past mistakes, can I get an amen? amen? Nope, we say it this way now. No perfect people allowed. This is the idea. Another value from 34 years ago is we value people over buildings because we believe that people matter to God more than anything else, and therefore people should matter to us. This was the, this was the DNA, the heartbeat that started what we get to do every weekend and the cool part is if this is your first week here, your first week watching online, you're a part of this as well. And so three couples moved to Cape Coral with the idea of having a contemporary church to reach people for Jesus, where we would speak the language of people and it was okay to be broken and not have it all figured out. And so these three couples started a launch team with 18 adults and a bunch of kids of 37. And on Easter of 1987, they launched their very first service at Pelican Elementary that had 60 first-time guests, so there were 97 people. This is not necessarily a picture of that service, but if you went to church in the 80s, it was something like that somewhere. <laughs> it, it, that, that should bring back some memories. And so we were portable. We rented out a school every week. We would have a team come in and set up. And we would set up chairs and music, and they had microphones attached to cords that you hold onto. Can you imagine? <laughs> and chairs, and they would have to use different areas for kids' wings, and they'd have to stay late, and they'd have to tear it down with this vision that we believe God's going to do something in our city, and we, he believe, we believe that he wants to use us to be a part of it. And so 97 people at our very first service on Easter 1987, and slowly over our 33 years have we grown. Now, for 14 years, we met in a school. We moved from Pelican to another school for space. But for 14 years, there's a young, dapper Dennis Gingrich right there. Uh, 
For 14 years, we met in a school. But just a couple of years into our, our journey, the idea became, man, this portable thing, we're getting to the place where it'd be great to have our own space, great to have our own capacity. And if you don't know the full story, uh, man, be at our vision night because the story of this place is amazing. So the idea was, we need a property. What if we had our own building where we could invite people and we could have things and we could, we could do more throughout the week to reach families? And so there was this crazy vision in this tiny town called Cape Coral, that there was projections that everything was going to move west. So rather than buy a building that already existed, or rather than buy a property where we could put something, there was this three city block area right off this street that no one could really get to called Chiquita. And there were these three city blocks with 48 different individual residential properties. And the idea was, what if we just went all in on this God thing? What if we went for 48 different individual residential properties and we went for three city blocks, 48 different landowners at the time, 14 acres with the idea that we believe if we build something that God might use us in our city. And so here was a picture of our property at the beginning. Go to the one that has Chiquita. Do we have that other one? Uh, yeah. So that's Chiquita right there. And this would be looking onto our property. This was around 1989, correct, Pastor Dennis? Around 1989. The idea was, what if we were just crazy enough that we went to 48 different individual landowners and says, hey, we think that if you sold us your land, we could build something great for the city. And so that took 10 years to purchase 48 individual properties, more than one of which said, over my dead body will I ever sell to a church. And as history would say, they died. and they sold to a church. <laughs> but it was a big vision because if one person refused to sell, it doesn't matter if you have the other 47 properties, you don't get to do it. And so people from this church, not staff, not board members, just people who called Cape Christian home, used their vacation time to fly to Germany, to fly to Canada, to fly to South Dakota, the West Coast, the South, to meet with individual property owners just so that we could lock in 48 different residential properties. And in 10 years later, 14 years into our history, in 1999, we were able to break ground on this property on 2110 Chiquita Boulevard South, 14 acres, three city blocks, 48 individual residential properties. One of the greatest faith stories I know of in real life. And we began to construct this worship center in 1999. A place for kids, a place for families, a place for people who know Jesus, and a place for those who don't. And so we began to construct this worship center. And in 2000, we had our very first worship center right here in this building. That's what it looked like when it was constructed. No other park, no other buildings, just this worship center. And that's what it looked like, and it doesn't look like that anymore. Praise Jesus. Uh, but again, we all went to that church in 2000, if you went to church. Uh, for whatever reason, we thought Teal and Burgundy was this uh, great, Teal and Mauve was this great idea in the late 90s and early 2000s. So this church grew, and we hit different benchmarks. We reached a couple hundred people. We reached 1,000 people. And then we continued to grow. We thought, man, we need space for our kids. So we got these portables for these kids, and we reached more families, and we ran out of space. And so then we decided, man, we, what if we had another building that was just for our kids, a family ministry building where we could minister to kids on the weekends, but we could also have a preschool throughout the week so we could reach families who don't even come to our church. And so we started, go back to that last picture. So we started construction on our new building. We have our, you know, gator pond right here. Um, so we had a second building. And in 2009, we opened up our family uh, ministries building, our preschool. And so now we have uh, a place for kids. We have a place for youth. 
Uh, we have a waiting list on our preschool. Over half of the people that go to our preschool don't attend Cape Christian. Many of them don't even go to church anywhere. It's just an opportunity every week for us to, uh, to make a difference in a family's life and impact their kids with the love of Jesus. And so we added that in 2009. And we rapidly grew. And shortly after that, we hit the 2000 mark as a church for the first time. And so quickly after we built this family ministries building around 2013, the conversation began, we're going to run out of space again. And this is probably my favorite part of our, of our history. Well, I don't know. The 48 acres is, or the 48 property is pretty tough to be too. But the, the conversation began, we're going to need more space. And so there's already blueprints for a bigger building on this campus. But the conversation quickly changed. What if rather than build a bigger worship center for us, what if we built a park instead and just gave it to the city? Because there's more new families here and they could use basketball courts and they could use a park and they could use a cafe and they could use a splash pad. And so this was the vision that was cast and there was a process. And in 2014, we opened up what is called Fellowship Park. And we now have a campus where hundreds of people every single week who may or may not know Jesus come and experience community. We pray over our campus. Uh, many people, maybe some of your stories, I'm here because of the park. That's many of your story. Because again, we haven't just been a church for our four walls and our little group, and, but we're a church for everyone. We're a church for the city. That was just over five years ago. So we built a park, and now here we are. Look around. We're not in a school anymore. There's more than 97 people here. What's here look like? Here is five services every weekend, eight, nine, ten services on, on Easter, on Christmas, and we know there's video, but we refuse to use it, so we just do it all live because we're insane, okay? We have online people who what up online that join us, four or 500 people every single weekend. We have people who have relocated their family, have moved across the country to come to Cape Coral, not for a job, not to retire, but to be a part of Cape Christian. It's, a, it's an amazing story. There's, in fact, Greg, I'm looking at Greg and Elizabeth. I met on an airplane. They were just coming to check the area out. And as God and fate would have it, a pastor sits next to them, and now they're part of our church. They've sold their stuff. They live here. They're serving on teams. That, and it, they're not the only ones. It's amazing. It's, it's an incredible, incredible story. God is doing and always has been doing something here in Cape Coral and in Cape Christian. And listen, I'm going to be the first to tell you, we're not the only church in town and we're not the only ones that God is going on because it's God's kingdom. It's not Cape Christian. Amen. That's right. We're a part of a bigger kingdom. But our church has roots who go deep and they're a prayer of love, of grace, of big faith. And so we find ourselves here in 2020, 33 years old, with an opportunity to exercise our faith once again, to dream once again. And we have a problem that we thank God for. We're just simply out of space. We have a wait list in the preschool. There's too many kids in the kids building. Our youth ministry can't meet in our youth room because they've outgrown it. And we've said it before, but heaven does not have a capacity problem. In fact, this is a, this is a, a picture of every, any given Sunday, 9 or 1030 in the chapel because there's no room for them in our worship center. Actually, I'm going to tell you a story that breaks my heart. I've seen this happen every weekend this year. A family will come or people will come to our church for the very first time and hope that they can find something. They come in here. They can't find a seat. They go to the chapel. The chapel is full. They can't find a seat. They turn around and they walk out because we don't have enough room for people who are seeking Jesus and have heard that this is a safe place to perhaps explore that journey. Heaven doesn't have a capacity problem, but we do. We've said it before. If every name that's on those clothespins in our lobby comes to Christ, every one comes to Christ, we just don't have room. And just to give you a little bit of context of what's happened here in the last few years, uh, just so you understand what we're talking about. In, 19, or in 2019, last year, we had 3,600 first-time guests come through our door just last year. That's an average of 300 per month coming for the first time. At the end of 2015, uh, when West transitioned, our average attendance was around 1,300. 
Four short years later, at the end of 2019, we're over 3,300 a week in weekly attendance, a growth of 2,000 people. Tr growth Track, which we launched in 2017, barely three years old, we've already seen 600 people come through Growth Track, join the church, use their gifts, serve a team to be a part of what God is doing. The, the, the growth that we're experiencing is not addition, it's exponential, it's multiplication, and it's unbelievably exciting. But here's what I'll tell you. Those are numbers, and numbers matter, but it's not just about the numbers, because it's about people. It's about people. The only reason numbers matter is because every number represents a person and every person has a story. I wish you could hear that what we get to hear every week, these stories of families being healed, of relationships being mending, of lives being transformed, and we don't get that opportunity enough to share those with you. But every week this month, you're going to hear at least one story of how God is using this place and how God is just changing lives, and we get to be a part of it. And so while you only get to hear one story, know that this represents dozens and dozens, in fact, hundreds more. And so I want you to hear one story of how God has used this place to really shape a family and a relationship with God. Go ahead and run that. Hi, I'm Katie Demiri, and my family and I have been calling Cape Christian our home for a little over a year now. I am from Wisconsin, and I grew up Lutheran. Um, my mom's side of the family was very strict Catholic, um, and so I had more of a strict background when it came to religion growing up. Church to me growing up was more, uh, was more of a routine that needed to be done. It almost felt like it was something that we had to get up and do every week. Um, it was something a, a little bit, and it's hard to say, but it was something that we had to more so endure. My husband and I were born and raised in Wisconsin, and we got married five years ago. We did a destination wedding in Fort Lauderdale, and ever since then we wanted a more active outdoor lifestyle um, so that we're not indoors all winter, and we found Cape Coral. We checked out some houses and we looked at um, various school systems and how that is different down here and then we definitely came to Cape Christian to check that out and honestly for us and for me in my heart it wasn't until we stepped foot on this wonderful joyful accepting campus that I realized for sure that this was going to be our home we were going to move here so we moved and ever since then we have served on teams I've led small groups. Now I would describe my personal relationship with God as joyful. I, I notice His presence more and I'm able to um, listen because of that. I want to share the good news with people. Um, I, I care about other people in, in a way that I didn't before. And I, I want more pe people to experience this type of joy, just like I do. And I know if, if God can do that in just one year, imagine what he can do for our family in many years to come. I love that last line, if God could do that in one year, imagine what he can do in the future. And that's, I believe, true for every individual. I believe it's true for this church. And so here's the reality, that, that startup story Turned into something bigger, I think, than anybody imagined because, again, the Bible talks about God's up to stuff that we can't even think about or imagine. But here's where we find ourselves. It would be really easy, to be honest, to get a little bit comfortable now. 
to celebrate what God has done, to feel like we did the, the heavy lifting and the legwork early on and go, yeah, five services, several thousand people. We're investing in the city. We do summer jam and we got the park and we do festival of lights and just maintain. And we could just kind of think our best days are behind us and just go, yeah, that was awesome. We could just coast. But to me, that's not an option. And here's why. The words of Jesus. For me, it always goes back to the words of Jesus because he told a story that I think confronts the idea of just kind of coasting and, and going with the flow and, and, and celebrating more about the past and just maintaining and getting comfortable. He tells a story of a master who had this, this kingdom, this land, and he distributed it to different ones of his servants. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, we'll read it together. It says this, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, a master who's going on a journey and he called his servants and entrusted to them his property. But he didn't distribute it evenly. It says, to one he gave five talents. Say five talents. five talents. To another he gave two. Say two talents. To another he gave one. Say one talent. Each according to his own ability. And then he went away. The, uh, the story goes on. It says, he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So those of you who are good with numbers, five and five is? Ten. Yeah. So also the two talents, uh, he who had the two talents went and made two more. Two and two is four. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. One and zero is one. Now, after a long time, the master came back to those servants and settled the accounts with them. It says he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five more. To which his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so now I'm going to put you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And in a similar fashion, it says, he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made you two more. To which the master responded, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, so I will entrust you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. But then the story changes and turns a little bit. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be kind of a hard man. You reaped where you didn't sow. You gathered where you didn't scatter seed. And so I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have back what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and I gather where I haven't scattered, no seed. Then you at least ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I could have gotten back plus my own plus interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with 10 talents. This is a story about stewardship. This is a story that kind of confronts us with this question of what has God given me and what am I doing with it? This word talent doesn't mean talent like we understand it now. Talent was a, a portion of property. It was a sum of money back in those days. But this story is God saying, I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to give this to you. And now I want you to go and I want you to use it. And so I, what I find the most interesting about this story is the one talent person. Because the master comes back and he calls him wicked and slothful. He calls him lazy in one, in one, uh, one rendition. But what's interesting to me is that the master reprimands the one talent servant because he didn't do anything with what God gave him. He didn't reprimand him for losing it. Why, do you get this? 
He didn't say, I can't believe you were unwise with your investment. I can't believe you put it on the line. You put it at risk. You had faith. He didn't reprimand him for that. He reprimanded him because he didn't do anything with what the master had given him. And this, is, this story to me kind of confronts us in our own personal lives. And I believe we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I doing with what God has given me? What has God given me? And am I stewarding it well? Am I using it for myself? Am I using it for the kingdom? Am I just digging it into a hole? Am I hiding it? Or am I truly using it? Because the reality is we all have different things to steward. We all have different backgrounds, different educations, different skill sets. Some of you, how are you stewarding the marriage that God has placed you in or the relationship God's placed you in? How are you stewarding the ability or the opportunity he's given you to raise your children? How are you stewarding the business that he's put you in where you are the lowest person on the totem pole and you have the ability to serve up? How are you stewarding the fact that you are the CEO or you are the boss or the VP? And are you stewarding the opportunity to train and develop and be like Christ in the way that you build your business? How are you stewarding your singleness? How are you stewarding the time he's given you? How are you stewarding the money he's given you? How are you doing with what God has given you? This is a little bit of a confrontational question and story that God's given. And for me, this is what keeps me awake. And this is what keeps me going, man, there's no way we can stay here. Because I started in the chapel and the reality is way too many weeks, there's families that come in here hoping to find God, giving church a chance for the very first time. And they come a little late on a Sunday. So they come in here and there's no seats for them. And then they go in there and there's no seats for them. And then they leave. That breaks my heart. And so I believe that we are in... The 33-year life cycle of this church, we have to answer the question, what are we going to do with what God has given us? I believe that God isn't looking for us as people. I believe that God isn't looking for us as a church to coast or simply maintain the status quo, but he's looking for us to invest, take big risks, have big faith, and increase what he has entrusted us with. Because at the end of the day, it's all his anyway, right? It's all his. We're not taking it with us. It was here before we got here. It'll be gone when we leave. And so he's just saying, I want you to steward. How are you stewarding your influence? How are we stewarding this opportunity in the city? One of the things that drew me here as a pastor two and a half years ago when I took this job was I was blown away at this church's ability to steward the opportunity they had to influence a city. And I believe what Dennis says, that our best years are not behind us. Our best years are ahead of us. I believe your best years are not behind you. Your best years are ahead of you. God's not done if you still have air in your lungs and you have the ability to add, contribute some way in life. And so here we are. We believe that God has a grander vision for Cape Christian. We have a grander vision for Cape Christian. And for the last year, we've been trying to make sure that those are one and the same. And so about a year ago, we interviewed and we hired a church expansion company, church building company, because we want to create space. We want to be able to increase our capacity. We have a, I think I mentioned, we have a wait list for our preschool. We want classrooms. Uh, we are tired of waiting in bathroom lines because there's too many of us and not enough bathroom space, right? Like we need to expand again. And so we believe that God has given us a picture of what the future for Cape Christian holds. And we're so excited to, to unveil it to you. We're so excited for every single one of us to be a part of it. Would you like to see what we believe God has for our future? All right, let's run it. For over three decades, Cape Christian has existed to reach people who don't know Jesus and help them discover who God has created them to be. Our new facility will include increased parking, a large lobby and cafe area, repurposed student ministry space, a new auditorium, and a two-story kids wing, allowing us to nearly double the size of our preschool, as well as our Cape Junior Kids Ministry. 
We already have a wonderful campus, but the addition of a new worship space will increase our capacity, not only on the weekends, but on the weekdays as well. The new spacious entrance will create an inviting atmosphere for kids and their parents with enough space to accommodate our regular attenders and first-time guests as they check in their kids for our weekend experience. Our new classrooms will provide more space, creating a welcoming environment for our preschool and Cape Kids Junior. The spacious lobby will have plenty of room for people to sit and relax, connect with other people, as well as provide additional space for discipleship or group discussions. Our current worship facility will be repurposed with our students in mind. Adding a cafe and offices for our student ministries will provide more space for this growing ministry, as well as provide us with a multi-use facility throughout the week. Our new auditorium will double our capacity on the weekends, giving more people the opportunity to worship together and experience the power and presence of God during our weekend worship experience. The space will feature cutting-edge technology in audio, video, and lighting, creating an immersive worship experience, and will be able to accommodate additional events, allowing us to truly be a center for our community. This new facility will give us the ability to welcome more people into our worship experiences and increase our ability to impact thousands of people with the life-changing love and power of Jesus Christ. Join us as we continue to make Cape Christian a church for everyone. My favorite part is watching your guys' faces watch that video. Ooh, ah, that's awesome. We need that. Listen, that may not come exactly the way it looks, but that's a picture of what, it look, what we think our future looks like. The city is growing. Every department in our church is growing. And we believe God is looking for some people to have enough faith to position themselves to continue to be a lighthouse for a growing area. We're the eighth largest city in Florida, which is the third or second largest state in the United States. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the future, not just what he's done in the past. We believe God's not done here. We believe he's not done with us. And it's going to take all of us. Here's the reality. It's going to take about 15 or $16 million to make that happen. And for some of you, that may sound like a huge number. But when you think about the fact that we have about 3,500 people that come on a weekly basis, if everybody does their part, this is very doable. Because it's not just about the money. I want to remind you of one of the core values in 1986. We value people over buildings because we believe people matter more to God. And so they matter to us. We just need space. Somebody told me a great analogy. They said, it's kind of like when you have that two bedroom house and then you find out you're pregnant with triplets. You just got to expand so there's room for everybody. I'm like, yeah, like, did that happen to you? Like, it's not like a common story. I don't know. <laughs> I told some startup stories that you heard parts of the first one, all of the second one at the beginning. And the difference is those are inspiring, but you don't really have a part in those. Yeah, you might go to Disneyland. Uh, yeah, you might be on Instagram, but you're not really a part of that one. But here's the best part about how the kingdom works. When you are in the kingdom, you get to be a part of the legacy and the inheritance. It's your story. 
You get the past, you get the future, you get the lives changed, you get the soul saves, you get the buildings built. Because in the kingdom, when you're a part of something, you get all of it. I would point you towards the story of Ruth in the Old Testament, who was an outsider who kind of found herself in this relationship. And now because of that, she's in the lineage of Jesus and is known forever as one of the, the, the patriarchs of our savior. Because in the kingdom, once you're in, you're in. And so you might be here for the very first time. You're like, I'm just checking this church out. Well, now you know what we're about and where we're going. I believe it's not an accident you're here. Some of you, you might've been here from, from day one. I was just talking to one of our greeters. He's like, I remember, Mark in the back, wave your hand, Mark. He's like, I remember the first Easter service in 1987. He was here. How many of you, how many of you were here when we met in the school? Who was here when we met in the school all those years ago? Yeah, how many of you were here when we were just one building on this property, no kids building, no park, a few of you? How many of you were here before we had the park? We had a couple buildings, but we don't, you don't remember the park. How many of you have been here two or three years or less? A lot of people. Some of you don't know math very well. That should have covered everybody. It's all right. Jesus loves you. We love you. We all have our, we all have our talent. That may not be the talent he gave you. It's cool. But you get to be a part of it. There's a scripture to me that's so motivating in the Old Testament. There was this promise of the Israelites in the Old Testament that God was going to give them this promised land, but it was hundreds and hundreds of years had passed. But then there was this guy named Joshua and he got to be the one to kind of take the land and he had kind of conquered and they had taken this promised land. And I feel like Joshua was in a similar season to where we were, where I was like, man, we're kind of good. We got our land. We could just kind of settle. And God shows up at the end of Joshua's life and says this unbelievably inspiring thing to him. In Joshua chapter 13, it says, Joshua was old and advanced in years. Don't look around when I read that. Just keep your eyes forward. Old and advanced in years. When the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. And very much of the land remains to be possessed. What God was saying, you're old, you have some wins, but there's still a lot more that I'm up to. And I believe that this is true for us as well. And in order for us to continue to be a church for the city, in order for us to be a church for everyone, it's going to take everyone doing their part because Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So it's Jesus's job to build his church. But he also said this, he says, greater things will the people who come after us do than I can do. And Jesus wasn't saying that any one person would be greater than Jesus, but he knew that the same spirit he had was gonna be in millions of believers all over the world. And if we combined our resources, we combined our heart and we were unified in our mission that we could actually do more than Jesus could at any one time. And so when we all do our part, when we use our talent, when we steward our gifts, when we steward our opportunities, when we bring what God has entrusted us and say, God, what do you have for us? We can see things that Jesus didn't even get to see when he walked the face of this earth, because this is for everyone. This is a place for everyone to find Jesus. This is a place for everyone to find community. This is a place where everybody can use their gifts to build a place for everyone to find Jesus. I believe our best days are ahead of us. So what are we really talking about? What do we need? I'm asking a couple of things from all of us. The month of February, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be preaching this series. We have the vision nights. We have set aside the month of, of February to really dream and pray and talk. And so I'm asking for a couple of things. Number one, we're asking everybody to pray. When you came in, you were given your, your planner. There should have been a prayer guide. We have the whole month marked out. 29 days of prayer of how you can join us in this journey. And it's not just about praying about money. It's not just about praying about a building. It's God, what are you doing in me? What do you want to do through me? What's my part in this? And so you're going to get one of these every week and there's a seven days on here. So there's a prayer guide and we want you to take it with your kids or your spouse or your significant other. And we want you to ask God, what is my part in this? So we're asking you to pray. 
The other thing we're asking everybody to do is give. We need everybody to give. We believe God has entrusted us with this opportunity and we want everybody to be able to be a part of this inheritance. You are invited to be a part of this, whether you were here at the first service or this is your first service or anywhere in between. And so what does that giving look like? Also, when you came in, you were given a commitment card. Uh, it's in your planner. We aren't asking you to do anything with this commitment card other than to take these two things together and just let God speak to your heart. I, I'm not going to strong arm people. I'm not going to manipulate people. Listen, this isn't for me. My daughter doesn't go to college because of this. Like I don't get like a new company car. I'm just trying to set this thing up to be what God wants it to be. So we want you to pray about these things and we want you to ask God, what do you want me to do? And so here's what the giving looks like. We're gonna have a Kickstarter offering at the end of this month. We're calling it our first fruits offering. If you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about God's table and the first fruits. And so it's our Kickstarter. What can you do to help us get this thing started? We're calling it first fruits. That's gonna be the last week uh, in February. We're gonna have a celebration. I have a friend coming in. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Uh, that's gonna be February 29th and uh, March 1st, that Saturday, Sunday. And then we're asking that, what can you do at, the, at our Kickstarter offering? But then the second thing we're asking is, what can you commit to doing over the course of the next three years? Because we believe as we continue to be who God's made us to be, if all of us would say, what can I do over a three-year commitment? Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, maybe it's at the end of the year, one-time year gift. What can I do? If everybody will do something, we believe we can get uh, more than what we need. We believe we can get what we need. And our vision is to be moved into this place in less than two years. And I believe we can move in debt-free. That's our goal. That's our vision. If everybody will, will do their part. So we're asking you to pray and we're asking you to give. And the prayer is this, God, what would you have us do? Some of you, if you're like me, you're a numbers person, you're a number cruncher. So I would say crunch your numbers, but don't just decide. Once you've crunched your numbers, go, okay, God, here's what we came up with. Now, what do you want us to do? Some of you, he's gonna stretch your faith. Some of you, he's gonna put something on your mind or your heart that might sound a little bit crazy. I've done a few building projects before at other churches I've worked at. One of the most common questions we get is, man, 15, $16 million, that's a lot of money. Wouldn't that money be better spent over on the mission field or creating water wells in Africa or orphanages in South America? And, and the answer is, it's both and. It's rarely ever either or. And so one of the things that excites me the most about our For Everyone campaign is we're, we're doing what's called a compassion first campaign, which means this, every dollar that comes in, the first 10% is going out to our ministry partners. So if we raise $15 million, we're gonna give away $1.5 million to clean water and orphanages and churches who need startups and church plants and we're gonna, other organizations and other nonprofits and we're gonna be able to fund kingdom work around the globe because that way we want, whether a kid gives a dollar a week or whether you give a million dollars, you can know that you're not just investing specifically here in the house, but everything you're giving, you're sowing seeds into so many other ministry and the kingdom work around the globe. So that's why we're asking you to pray. God, what's my commitment? We, the vision nights are for us to talk about this, get into more detail. We can ask questions. We really would love for every single one of you. Many of you have signed up. Some of the nights are full. There's still some nights available. We would love for you to make sure that you do that um, here. And uh, this week, we start Tuesday night. There's one more ask I have of you guys. And it's the same ask I made in the nine o'clock service. And it's just the only two services I'm making. It's not uncommon that people come here and don't find a place and they leave. The reality is, especially for first time visitors, the main window that they visit in the United States is between nine and 11 on a Sunday morning. We have two services on Saturday and three on Sunday. Our nine o'clock service is full. Our 10.30 service is over full. Our noon service is getting close to full. Uh, 
But we have space in both of our Saturday services. That's also when our middle school service is at four o'clock. Maybe the sacrifice that God is asking some of you is I'm asking you, would you be willing to pray and consider about making the Saturday service your service for the next year and a half or so until we move into our building. If you can't do it and your schedule doesn't allow, that's fine. We, we want you to come back. But some of you have the leverage or the, the, the flexibility to do that. And if a couple hundred of you would move to Saturday and a couple hundred of people in the nine o'clock would move to Saturday, Saturday would be mostly full. We'd have the energy of, of a Sunday, but it would create space for those first time people who are looking for a place here on a Sunday. And so I would ask some of you specifically to pray for that. And, and we, we need you not just to attend but some of you have been attending, but you haven't joined a team. You haven't been through growth track. Some of you, it's, it's time to up your game and sit one and serve one because we're spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. Amen. So that's the ask plain and simple pray, give, and maybe it starts for some of you going, God is asking you to go, would you give up your seat for somebody else so that they can be in here with us? Something I learned a long time ago is that there's never success without sacrifice. There's never success. Sometimes in your life, you're called to sacrifice so somebody else can succeed. That's called parenting, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes in your life, you get to succeed because somebody else went ahead of you and sacrificed. I, I think of you guys, the Gingriches and the Troyers and Tony and Ada, which that's why it's called Tony and Ada's, by the way. You sacrificed and so many other people are succeeding because of you and that launch team set, uh, of, of your sacrifice. I've learned this though, I, you live long enough and you usually get to experience both sides of that. Sometimes you succeed and somebody else sacrificed. Sometimes you sacrifice, somebody else succeeds. Sometimes you get to do both. This isn't about what Pastor Corey can do. This is about what God wants to do and what is he asking you to do. I'm telling you, if everybody does something, we can tell a story that only God could write. Not so Corey gets credit, not so Dennis gets credit, not so Cape Christian gets credit, but so that the kingdom of God and Jesus gets credit and more people can see that there's a God who will go to great lengths to reach and save anybody who doesn't know him. And we want you to be a part of it. So I'm gonna ask you to join me and I'm gonna ask you to do something. We're gonna do something symbolic this weekend uh, to pray. I learned this actually from uh, the gal who runs the Red Cross. And so if you're able physically, would you stand with me as we pray and we close? Um, Danielle Strickland is her name. She, talked, she taught a, a session I was in and she talked about one of the things she's implemented in her personal prayer is a posture that's, that reminds her heart of the truth and she'll stand and she's a strong gal. She'll stand, but she'll stand with, she starts with her fists closed and she starts praying about the things that she's holding on to. And then she moves her prayers to a place of open hands going, God, I'm not gonna hold on to anything, but my hands are open for you to do what you want with me, use what you, me how you want, and use whatever I have for your kingdom and your glory. And I thought, what a cool way for us to launch this For Everyone movement, this For Everyone campaign. If we just symbolically held our hands out, saying, God, this is the posture of our heart, saying, here we are, our hands are open, use us how you would wanna use us, and use whatever you've entrusted me with for your kingdom and your glory. So if you're comfortable, would you just join me and open in your hands, just symbolically, and we're just gonna pray together. Before we pray, I wanna say this. We've been talking about being a church for everyone. Before we pray, I want some of you to know you might be our for everyone. If you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship, if you're broken and you need help, we would love to introduce you to Jesus today. Come find a staff member, go to the prayer room. Every week, every week, somebody is turning their life over to God and he's transforming their life. So this isn't at the expense of you, this is for you. And I don't want anybody to leave without the opportunity to know Jesus personally. Because like Katie said, it'll, it'll change your life and you can't imagine what he'll do for generations to come. But for the rest of us, we're just going to pray. And maybe for you, if, that was, if I just described you, this is both and for you. But let's pray and let's just give God permission to use us 
and use what he's given us. God, we, we are reminded that everything we have is yours. God, I thank you for this opportunity ahead of us. I thank you for the legacy and the inheritance you've given us. I'm one of those who's here. I'm, I'm experiencing the success of other people's sacrifice, but God, we're here saying our hands and our heart are open. We recognize everything we have comes from you. You are the master, we are the stewards. And so God, I pray that we would steward well what you've given us. God, that we would not just sit on it, that, that we would not get comfortable, we would not maintain, but God, that we would use what you've given us to, to add value to the world around us, to tell people about Jesus and be salt and light everywhere we go. So our hearts are open, our hands are open. Speak to us, speak clearly. Use us and write a story that only you can write so that you can be famous and you can be made known. Not us, it's not about us, God. Our hands and our hearts are open. We thank you, God, for this amazing opportunity and not just what you're gonna do through us, but God, I thank you for your plans of what you wanna do in each and every one of us. Draw us closer to you as we go through this process together in Jesus' name, amen.